What is up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. We had an exciting weekend of lacrosse. And we've got, you know, by, by the looks of it, looking at the calendar here, uh, the schedule, we've got another exciting one coming up this weekend as well that y'all should be excited for also. Um, but and But before we get to recapping the weekend and discussing some of the, you know, main points that we need to hit on here. Um, I, I do want to go over some uh, scheduling notes with y'all. So, um, you know, normally I, I, I do this show on Sunday, recapping the uh, weekend that was, and then I will go and do a uh, midweek preview. Sometimes we will touch on a few weekend games um, on Tuesday's show. Sometimes we'll talk about um, you know no games at all. We'll just talk about various topics. Um, we've done mailbags on Tuesdays during the season, so uh, you know Tuesday we do some some different things. Um, this week we do have some uh, pretty decent midweek go- uh, games. Uh, Towson and Hofstra and Virginia and Duke as another Thursday night ACC matchup. Uh, so Thursday's podcast will come out after the Virginia Duke game. Uh, so probably like 1150 <laughs> on Thursday night is when I'm guessing that one will, will probably be out. 1030, 1150, somewhere in there. Um, so on Tuesday show, we will touch on Towson Hofstra, Virginia Duke, but we will not touch Friday's games. Uh, we'll touch on those on Thursday. Um, and we're the two big ones there, Penn State, Michigan, Vermont, Albany. Um, do have a rivalry contest on Friday, Lafayette, Lehigh, and then Stony Brook and Binghamton also play on Friday. So we'll touch on you know, the two big ones there. Um, on Thursday's show, but on Tuesday's show, instead of previewing these midweek midweek games as I do, like I said, we will touch on Towson Hofstra, Virginia Duke, but it won't be a full-fledged um, preview like usual. It'll just kind of be, here's, you know, here's where this team stands, here's what this would mean, um, that kind of situation. Um, because we, I will be releasing my uh, first edition of Bracketology for this season on Tuesday. Um, if y'all were, uh, if y'all have listened to this podcast or read uh, my stuff over the past few, well, since 2019, um, it would be uh, really the first year that I launched the site that y'all see now uh, was 2019, and uh, I, I did a Bracketology. I think I ended up doing five different iterations. Uh, so Bracketology 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and so on. Um, I think I did five that year. Obviously didn't do any last year with the season being cut short. Um, 
But in 2019, I started, I did like, I think I did just kind of a brief overview um, at the end of March. And then starting in April, did full-fledged bracketology each week until Selection Sunday. If y'all did not know, uh, Selection Sunday is less than a month away. Um, I believe it's May 9th. Uh, so about a, like this like this Sunday. So first, say this is the first Sunday of April or second Sunday of April. Okay, second Sunday of April. So it will be the yeah second Sunday of yeah second Sunday of May is when Selection Sunday will be. Uh, Mother's Day also is that day. So um, that's according to the NCAA website. Uh, May 9th will be Selection Sunday. So um, starting this week on Tuesday, I will be releasing my Bracketology. Um, obviously, with the way that the schedule has panned out, the way the season has panned out, with um, who's playing, who's not, who's gone conference only, and everything like that, uh, who started late, you know, the whole nine yards there that we have with this um, unique season, I would call it. Um, I waited a bit to do that, and partially because I wanted to see the um, – we still had some answers to be had. Um, and those two were answered. Uh, those questions were answered last week and the week prior. So uh, the NCAA will host the first round at predetermined sites. So it won't be the top seed gets that, uh, gets to host. Um, so that that's what's going on there. Uh, predetermined sites, nothing else has changed but that um, as far as what location. As far as number of teams, it will be a nineteen, a sixteen team. Excuse me, not nineteen. Sixteen team tournament. Um, no play-in game. So we're doing away with the play-in game, and it will be a straight sixteen team tournament. Um, so that's how we're rocking and rolling this year with the NCAA tournament. Uh, reports last week from. Uh, Terry Foy, Inside Lacrosse, and Patrick Stevens um, on uslacrosse.com, uh, both published in last week, uh, both published articles, uh, including quotes from uh, NCAA tournament chairman Tim Leonard, uh, which included that information. So we have that information, and it's Bractology time. I will be releasing my Bracketology on Tuesday. So that is when that will be out. And we will go over that on the podcast on Tuesday as well. So it won't just be an article. Um, we'll do the podcast uh, version as well. In 2019, I did a, a, a show on, I believe it was on YouTube, Bracketology. I think I did three of them on there. I'm not going to do that this year. Just going to do the podcast. Um, so that is what Tuesday's show will look like, and also what's coming up on the website on Tuesday, in addition to the 
uh, transfer portal uh, or transfer performances. Um, and also, obviously, you got the three stars of the week coming out on <clears throat> Monday. Speaking of you know, performances from this past weekend, uh, we've got to get into some games here. And you know, I don't think we can start anywhere but South Bend where uh, the Fighting Irish take down Duke. Um, they hand the Blue Devils their first loss of the season. Um, thirteen to eight. The the win also gives Kevin Corrigan, Notre Dame head coach, uh, the most wins all time at a D one program, or three hundred and eleven. Um, look, we talked about on would that be last last Tuesday where we talked about Notre Dame pretty much all last last week leading up to the Duke game, um, how impressive they looked against Syracuse. And they continued to do that. Um, you know, offensively, most of this season for the Irish has been Pat Kavanaugh. Uh, recently, Will York. Um, it's been the Notre Dame attack that has stepped up. We've known they have, and I've, I've called it this openly, Notre Dame has the most athletic midfield in the country. Syracuse might have the most productive, and those are certainly pretty dang good as well. But you look at just sheer speed, size, athleticism, Notre Dame has everybody beat by, by a country mile um, almost. So... Um, the Notre Dame midfield stepped up a lot. Morrison, uh, Myra stepping up, senior uh, reserve midfielder. He had a clear high four goals in this one. Um, and then also we had Wheaton Jackaboys with a hat trick, Brett Dobson with one goal, one assist. Um, I believe, yeah, eight combined goals. Eight of their 13 came from the midfield uh, for the Irish. So, so really big day for uh, the Irish midfield. Uh, Will York was the Irish's highest scoring attackman. He had two goals. Both came consecutively in the second quarter. Um, and then the Notre Dame defense, Jack Kilty, um, Kyle Thornton, Played phenomenal. Liam Intamin continues to progress um, week to week. He had 12 saves in this one. Um, it just overall an amazing performance on on the back end as well as at the midfield spot for the Irish in this one, and that really set them apart. Um, and you know, just as we saw them do against Syracuse, they struck while the iron was hot, and they rattled off. Um, I believe it was, I mean, they ended the game on an 8-3 to run. From late in the second through the final buzzer, 8-3 to run, Notre Dame just shuts Duke down. Um, and, and look, Duke was winning the Face-off battle, 16-22. to 22. Jake Naso had a fantastic game. We saw Brennan O'Neill with a hat trick. Nakai Montgomery 
And look, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Nakai Montgomery's best trait is his passing ability. He had four assists in this one. He assisted half of Duke's goals. Think about that. He assisted half of Duke's goals. And funny thing, I went and looked up his stats last time against Notre Dame, which would have been the 2019 quarterfinals at Hofstra. He put up one goal, four assists in that one as well. Did not have a goal today, uh, but did have the same number of assists. So, you know, overall, a, a, a dominating performance from the Irish. And I, I, I think they, they've earned that number one spot. I, I really do. I think they've earned that number one ranking. Um, my top five personally right now, if I had a vote, would be as follows. Notre Dame, Maryland, Duke, Virginia, and Lehigh. And we'll talk about Lehigh here in a minute. And then after that, I'd have UNC, Denver, Rutgers, Army, West Point, and Q's. Syracuse. You know, could someone, you know, could you suddenly flip those teams, some of those teams around? Absolutely. I think once you get past, I think the top three right now are pretty set in stone as far as who the top three are. I think once you get past three, you can put them in whatever the heck order you want. Um, and, you know, th- th- that's just the kind of view we're having. Um, and certainly with, with the Ivy not playing it, you know, you, I mean, you're seeing so someone had made the comment to me. They said Navy and Loyola would not be ranked if the Ivy was playing. I don't know if both of those teams wouldn't be ranked, but, you know, certainly one of them would not be. Um, so, I get the point there. Um, this is a weird year, and we're seeing it, and, and it's fun. It is fun lacrosse. Um, but right now, you know, in this debate, Notre Dame, Maryland, who's number one? I put Notre Dame, and, and here's the reason. Here's the reason. Go look up the strength of schedule for both of these teams. For both of these teams. <clears throat> Go look up the strength of schedule. The it is I'm trying to find the word here. It it is amazing the differential between these two. Maryland has the number fortieth strength of schedule at the moment, while Notre Dame has the number Six strength of schedule. It is clear as day who should be the number one team in the country. And look, that's not a knock on Maryland. I think Maryland can certainly beat Notre Dame. I think they can certainly beat Duke. They can beat Carolina. They can beat Virginia. They can beat anybody. But here's the thing. Your conference made a stupid move to play conference only. And it is killing you. It killed y'all in football. When we look at teams like Penn State and what they had to go through. And it is, and, and y'all had to mess up the whole postseason just to get Ohio State in the playoff. If 
I remember correctly there. Just going to put that one out there. And then y'all go and, and do the same thing for lacrosse. And we got Big Ten fans wondering, well, why is Maryland not going to be, uh, why do people not think they should be number one? I mean, you got, what's Penn State, two and six? Okay. Your you, you third best team is Ohio State. Um, what's the record right now? Hold up. Let me pull this up here real quick. Four and four. Who's lost to a two and six Penn State team? Who's lost? Oh, they beat, they swept Hopkins over the weekend. Ohio State did. But you've got eight and no Maryland, two and six Rutgers, four and four Ohio State. Everybody else is two and six. Hopkins, Michigan, Penn State. I'm sorry, y'all. That's, you cannot... In, in my opinion, man, if... I, I think the Big Ten's getting two in at the moment. Rutgers cannot lose another game. Rutgers loses another game. They might be out of the tournament. Now, I think that also depends on what happens in some other tournaments and some other conferences. But big repercussions for the Big Ten. Big repercussions... For the Big Ten and, and, and impressive win for the Irish should catapult them to, to number one in the nation. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that think Maryland should be there because they're undefeated. Um, but quality of wins um, matter and, and they certainly matter in a year like this where the eye test is more important than ever before. Moving on to Virginia and North Carolina. The Wahoos go into Chapel Hill and pull off an 18-6 victory over the Tar Heels. Finishing the season series 1-1 against them. Um, Again, Virginia, the offensive resurgence continues. Um... It wasn't Doc Sakin today. It was friggin' Jeff Connor. Four goals for him. Ian Laviano had, excuse me, six points. We had Matt Moore with two goals and six assists. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal performances from those three. And oh, yeah, did I mention Petey Lasala had one of the best halves you'll see all season? Uh, 26 for 38 eight at the faceoff dot on the day. Um, majority of, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me. I want to say he probably won 15 of those in the second half. Um, 15, maybe uh, 17 of those in the second half alone. He also had a goal and an assist, both coming in the final stanza there. Um, Virginia goes on a five-goal run from three on the 350 mark through the, I want to say the 15-minute mark, it, it was in the fourth. They push ahead 14-10, to 10, um, and that came after two straight uh, from Chris Gray and William Paley. William Paley, fantastic game from him um, for the, the Tar Heels. Four goals and an assist in this one. 
Um, he, he really led the way for that offense. Thought he had one of his better games. I've seen him play in a while. Um, you know, those two goals got it to 10-9 Carolina. Um, and then Virginia goes on that five-goal run. Get up 14-10. to 10. Um, and, you know, neither team, neither team put up a multi-goal run in the final, uh, in the final quarter. Um, with the exception, Carolina got two garbage time goals, but a huge, huge second half for Virginia, huge second half for, uh, PD Lasala in general. Um, you know, Virginia, I think has proven themselves, uh, time and time again, and look, Notre Dame might be on a run. Um, I wouldn't put it past them that Virginia could beat Duke on Thursday. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But Virginia, in my mind, is the hottest, well, one of the hottest teams in the country at the moment. Certainly, you have some undefeateds left in Maryland and Lehigh. And look at what Notre Dame is doing as we just talked about, but Virginia is right there up there with that bunch as one of the hottest teams in the country. They continue this wave that ride um, on Saturday. Moving to some CAA action. Um, big, big game in the CAA as Drexel. Talk about hot teams, man. Drexel gets a win over Delaware, giving Delaware their first loss in conference play of the season. They avenge an earlier loss to Drexel, excuse me, to Delaware in the season. Uh, Dragons on a, I believe is it a five-game win streak? Oh, no, four-game win streak at the moment. Um, no, we've seen the past few weeks Sean Donnelly step up and have himself a game for Drexel this weekend, it's Aiden Cole. Uh, Career-high five goals and an assist to lead the Dragons offense. Jemiah Kota, um, big piece of this, uh, of the success for Drexel, to, for, for Drexel on Saturday. 11 for 15 on the day, 8 of 14 in the first half, and Drexel really pulled away in the first half. It's all knotted up at three at the end of the first. Dragons outscored uh, the Blue Hens five to one in the second, included a four-goal run to end the half. Um, and, you know that pushes them ahead. And while Drexel, uh, I mean Delaware, was able to start the third with uh, Reed Coates getting a goal there, uh, the Dragons just continued to pile on. They they're up twelve to seven at the end. Of the third, uh, they're able to seal the deal and come away with the, what was the final of that one? Let's not see that. I did not write that one down. Uh, the final of this one was, where the heck did it go? Okay, here it is, 12 to 9. 12 to 9 there um, as they get that win. Uh, you know, Delaware held Drexel to just one goal and tacked on three, um, three of their own, you know, in the final, but uh, in the final 1850 of the game, but um, you know, unable to complete 
the comeback as they take the loss, 12-9. The first loss for Delaware in the CAA. Um, right now, you know, CAA, I, I think Delaware should still be at the top. I, I don't see a reason why that would have changed. Um, certainly, they're 4-1 now. Yeah, they're still at the top. Um, you got Hofstra at 3-1, Drexel at 3-2, UMass at 3-2, Towson at 1-3, Fairfield at 0-5 as they lose to Towson over the weekend. So that top middle of, of, of the CAA has certainly uh, changed a bit. We had Hofstra beat UMass on Friday. Um, and so certainly some momentum changing in that conference, and certainly this game on Saturday, uh, you know, continued the madness that we've seen in the CAA, really, <laughs> that uh, we kind of always see in the CAA. And, you know, really my biggest takeaway from that game, um, I, I think is probably just... Drexel is a much better team than we uh, have portrayed them as. Um, just the lacrosse um, community, lacrosse fan base, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I don't think many looked at them. I certainly looked at them as kind of a dark horse candidate coming into the season, but, um, you know, they've proven to be um, a a team that can really play with anyone. And, you know, they had a, a, a rough start to the season, but, you know, really bounced back here recently. Uh, four straight wins there. Really good offense. Uh, Ross Blumthaw has been fantastic in cage as well. 12 saves for him uh, on the weekend as well. Um, in that one. So just big, big win for Drexel, um, continuing their run, uh, impressive run at that. Now, a couple more games to dive into here a bit. Um, Lehigh 13, Navy 7, and then we have Army 12 and Loyola 7. Um, look, I certainly... We don't know what's going to happen in these conference tournaments, but um, the Patriot League looks to be pretty set at the moment with uh, Lehigh and Loyola coming out of the South, Army, Boston U coming out of the North. And I, I don't exactly know how they're seeding it if they're doing North 1 versus South 2, South 1 versus South 2, or if they're just seeding them based on winning percentage, which I think is actually what I read they're doing, um, if I remember correctly, but I uh, don't have the notes in front of me at the moment, so don't want to you know, speak anything that um, is inaccurate on here, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing Lehigh Army again <laughs> in the Patriot League title game. Um, man, these two teams are playing impressive at this moment in time. Uh, you look at Lehigh, Mike Sisselberger continues 
his dominance at the faceoff dot. Going 78% against Navy. Really, this game looks closer than it was. Than it, than it was. 13-7's a bit generous. Um, Lehigh simply just dominated wire to wire. Fantastic game for them. We've seen... This is a team... Obviously, Sisselberger is a dominant... Uh, is a key factor to this success. But they play physical on both ends. Um, they play hard on both ends. This is a team that is fun to watch. If you've not watched Lehigh yet, you need to. In my mind, they're a top five team. You've got wins over Navy, Army, and Loyola. All top 15, all top 20 teams when you faced them. uh, Loyola and Army were top 10 teams when you faced them. Army is still a top 10 team at the moment. They should be again this weekend um, as they get that 12-7 win over Loyola. Um, pretty hard-fought win there. Um, and, and look, people forget this is an Army team with an abysmal face-off unit. But their defense is so dang good. Wyatt Schuper, 16 saves, um, kind of balances things out there, but... Um, just two really good teams that are really fun to watch. If you have not watched Lehigh or Army this season, you need to. Like, go to, well, it's on ESPN Plus. So if you got ESPN Plus, if you, if you got CBS Sports Network, they got some games on there, hit that DVR. They'll probably on YouTube somewhere the games are. They always are. Um, Go go watch these two teams. Very, very fun teams to watch play. Um, as far as Loyola and Navy, look, Loyola, I think they're pretty safe in the postseason. They've been up and down. I, I've said this before, the most inconsistent team in the country. I, I'm having a hard time figure them, figuring them out myself. Um, and I've talked to other people as well that are like, yeah, I'm worried about Loyola. They're kind of right now, if the tournament started today, they would not be in. They would not be in. Lehigh would get that nod, but as that AQ, and I don't think the Patriot League's getting two in, um, even if, let's say, Army were to beat Lehigh in the title game. I don't think both of those teams are getting in. Even if Loyola beat Lehigh, in the title game, or you know, whatever scenario you want to throw out based on how the seedings um, go, I, you know, I, I think they're getting. I think they're one one bid league this year, unless something crazy happens in the Big East or the uh, Big Ten, where they only get one in. I, I think it's a pretty much a one bid league at the moment. So for. Loyola and Navy, I think, you know, they're kind of, certainly Navy is, is out of luck. They're not even really in the uh, playoff picture for their own conference at the moment. So, uh, tough ending here for Navy. Had a really good start um, to the year. Uh, some really good players on that team. Skolaniak played very well, very well um, in their game. On Saturday, Spencer Lees has been consistent this year, so 
love watching him play um, in cage. Moving on to our last game here that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to go over some other ones um, just briefly, and then we'll get the heck out of here. Albany and UMBC. This one went down on Sunday afternoon. Fantastic game between these two. I I, I got to... Hit the microphone, though, didn't I? Um, Got to clap it up to both these teams. Fantastic game from both sides. Uh, UMBC is a legit contender. Like, UMB, like I had seen, I watched the ending of the Stony Brook game, and I had watched, like, a half of another game. So I hadn't really seen a full game of UMBC all year until today. And I, I knew they were good. I knew they had guys like Frawley. Um, they're on offense. I, I knew that their defense was criminally underrated. And I mean criminally underrated. Uh, this is a fun team to watch. Um, you know, it, fantastic play. Fantastic play from them. What killed them in this game? Uh, by the way, Albany ended with the I think it was a 14 um yeah 14 to 9 victory there what ended it for them was penalties and turnovers um they had three penalties in the final period of play one of which allowed Albany to go on a Seven, well, they scored seven goals, a 7-1 run in the fourth, uh, really a 9-1 run uh, to end the game for Albany. So they exploded um, late in the game. They and, and they did. They took advantage of every opportunity they could. And look, when we talk about Albany, when we talk about the American East in general, and I, and, and I tweeted this today, um, and, and I have some people reach out to me and be like, yo, like, uh, you know that is exactly what we've heard all year from people concerning the American East. Is like for years, it, it it felt like it was Albany, Albany, Albany. Yes, Stony Brook was going to contend; they were going to push. Yes, you had teams like UMBC and Binghamton that could pull upsets out of their booty. You had Binghamton go on that run, right? Um, well, they went to the American East title game in Coach McEwen's first year. Yeah, it was 2018, his first year there. So you had... So, so you had some... Uh, sorry, I was looking at a text real quick. Um, focus back on the podcast here. Um, so... <laughs> America East. Uh, America East. Um uh, that, that's what happens when you have the text. I have a Mac, and that's what happens when you have the text come up on your, on your uh, Mac. You get something funny and start laughing in the middle of a podcast. Um, America East. It, the, the, the parody, the competitiveness is fantastic in this league. Um, thank you, Ryan Moran, for what you've done at UMBC. Because that is a dang fun team to watch. 
And people forget they only have two coaches right now. They didn't replace Kostner. No. Craig Chick's the volunteer. But they didn't replace Kostner as the D.C. when he left for Hopkins. And that defense still has his blueprints all over it. His fingerprints, I should say. They saying blues clues, fellas. Um, you got his fingerprints all over it, and they're continuing to play that way. Uh, so this is a fun team. And that offense, man, that offense is fun to watch. I don't like that offense. They, look, Ryan Frawley had um, a, a couple plays, man, where he being the trash man. Another man's trash, another man's treasure. Um, we saw Pat Kavanaugh do that for Notre Dame on Saturday as well. Um, and Ryan Frawley had two goals off of rebounds today. Um, he, he's been playing fantastic. And UMBC, they're dangerous in front of the cage. They're dangerous around the cage, um, inside. So this is a fun offense to watch. It's an exciting defense that can give you um, troubles. They got to clean some areas up, penalties, turnovers. They had nine turnovers uh, in the nine turnovers in the final period. Uh, they committed 13 in the first three, and then nine in the final uh, quarter alone. Uh, they went four for seven in the clearing game. Uh, they had gone 9 for 11 in the first three periods. So uh, definitely some stuff to clean up. And uh, Albany, I've mentioned it before, this is a deep offense, and we saw it again today. Corey Yonker, Jacob Patterson um, doing their thing. Reagan Enders. Um, no, Albany might finally have a faceoff guy, guys. It's not T.D. Owen, but, but Reagan Enders is doing a good job. Like He's doing a good job. He's not T.D. Owen. No, he, no one's ever going to be him, but he's doing a good job. 13 for 25, 4-0 and 5-3 um, in the first and final periods of play. Uh, thought he was a, he, obviously a big piece of that uh, Albany offense to allow them to capitalize and allow them to get, because look, they, they wanted to go fast, and you could tell it, and U, UMBC is a team that slows things down. Once Albany went fast, I, 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 you could feel the energy being sucked out of the retrievers. Some other games to get to here. Um, so Ohio State and Johns Hopkins, 14 to 12. Uh, Ohio State in this one. Um, for the Buckeyes, no big game for Jackson Reed. Um, their uh, five point outing, uh, six point outing for him, five point outing for Jack Myers. They sweep the Blue Jays closer than the first time around, but still a pretty sizable, pretty good win for the Buckeyes. Uh, Georgetown skids past Marquette, man. Georgetown, man, y'all keep on scaring me, man. Y'all keep on scaring me. Um, Dylan Watson with four points in this one. TJ Haley with four assists. James Riley, 14 for 22 at the dot. Uh, Devin Cohen, though, for Marquette, six goals. Uh, fantastic game 
from the young man there in Milwaukee as uh, Georgetown skids past Marquette eight to seven. Uh, they were down by, excuse me, they they won ten to eight. It was eight to seven Marquette heading into the final uh, period. And then we got to talk about Maryland five and zero, Michigan to start the game. Maryland goes on a sixteen goal run and wins. Um, 18 to 12. I think we've said all we need to say there. Um, Connor Coast, Kieran Mullins, Adam Shogunbidis combined for 18 points in Rutgers' 22-10 defeat of Penn State. We had Zach Cole go 14 for 28 at the dot to lead St. Joseph's to a 13 to 12 overtime win over Hobart. Uh, Towson overcame a 7-3 deficit at the half to beat Fairfield 12-11. to uh, Their first CAA win since 2019. Obviously didn't have conference play last year, but still uh, kind of crazy to think about that. Um, Dylan Donnelly. Dylan Donnelly uh, had his hat, scored his hat trick goal of the game in double overtime to push Quinnipiac past Manhattan 13-12. Lucas Cottonwood, Jackson Hanna combined for eight points as Denver tops Villanova 17 to 10. And then JC Higginbotham uh, with 14 saves and a goal, which came from behind the restraining line to lead Bellarmine past VMI 11 to 9. Um, there is video of that. However, it doesn't show the ball going in the cage, it just, just shows him shooting. And then you see the bench erupting, whatever. But I, you know, it's on the Bellman Twitter account. They, they they put it out there, um, even though it doesn't actually show the goal, but you know, it shows the shot at least. Um, so a uh, fun one there. That is all for today's show. As always, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can catch us on. Apple Podcast, uh, where you can leave a five-star review. Uh, Spotify, iHeart Podcast, iHeart Radio Podcast app, um, as well as Google Podcast and multiple others. Social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My personal, at Tanner underscore Dimling. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. Have a great uh, week and enjoy the workouts. We will be back here with y'all on Tuesday to talk some bracketology. And then we, we will preview the weekend on Thursday. Have a great, uh, well, weekend's almost over. Have a great week.